This is Inside the Writer's Head with Emma Carlson Byrne, the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2018 Writer-in-Residence. The Library Foundation's Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Here now is Emma Carlson Byrne. Hello all, I'm Emma Carlson Byrne, this year's Public Library Writer-in-Residence and the host of Inside the Writer's Head. My guest this month is Cincinnati's Poet Laureate, Manuel Iris. Manuel was just appointed to this two-year post in April. As Poet Laureate, Manuel will promote poetry appreciation in Cincinnati, encourage the reading and writing of poetry throughout the city, as well as compose and read poems for special events. Manuel has received many honors for his poetry, including the Merida National Award of Poetry for his book, Notebook of Dreams, and the Rudolfo Figueroa Regional Award of Poetry for his book, Disguises of Fire. Disguises of Fire was also considered one of the best books of the year by the newspaper El Norte. Manuel was a finalist for the prestigious Latin American Award for Published Books, Ciudad de la Lira, in Cuenca, Ecuador. Manuel is also the co-author, along with the Brazilian poet Florino Martins, of the poetry book Overnight Medley, and Manuel has published his first bilingual book, Translating Silence, in New York. And Manuel is an educator as well. By day, he teaches English at DePaul Cristo Rey High School here in Cincinnati. Manuel, welcome. We're so glad you could talk with us today. Thank you, Emma, for having me. We've had many guests on this season of Inside the Writer's Head, but you are our first poet, and I'm really excited to talk with you about the business of writing poetry and the process of writing poetry. But first, let's start with your own origins as a poet. Did you always write poetry when you were growing up, when you were a teenager? And when did you really start to consider yourself a poet, such as you would sign your name, Manuel Iris? poet on some important form. <laughs> no. um, well, I, I was always, um, and, and this always really means always, uh, fascinated by the power of words, but not only words, but sound. Um, I used to mumble certain sounds when I was very little, when I was very young, uh, when I was sad and when I was happy. And these were these were just sounds. These were mumbling, um, and I knew how to talk. It was just that those sounds have that. So I, I I've always been attracted by music and by words, and I think that the intersection of both is poetry. Um, I studied music. I studied classical guitar for four years. Um, how interesting! You have a music background. Yes, 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 yes. I, I, and music is as important to my poetry as is reading. Um, in one of my books, in my latest book, I have uh, musical indications for the reader. I say, please read this poem while listening, so-and-so. And for me, music is, is, is very important. So I do believe that in the intersection, uh, music is a sister of poetry. Poetry is a sister of music. They, they touch, um, they converge. So um, when I was little, I was always fascinated by the power of words. I remember, and this is a story that I have told many times, um, that one day I saw in my house... And I was barely able to read, but I did read at that, at that point uh, a dictionary. And my house was not 
a house full of books. My house was not a house full of this high culture. Uh, my house was full of full of uh, music and salsa and boleros and uh, my, my grandmother singing while she did the dishes and stuff and, and my grandpa is a very wise man and uh, he was a really good he is a really good storyteller um, so I grab a dictionary and I ask my grandfather what is this and he told me it's a dictionary and I say what is that and he said well anything that you could think of is there if you want to know anything, you go there and you look for that word and you will know what that thing is. And for me, that meant one single thing, that if I learn every word in the dictionary, I would know everything. Right. right? Yeah. If everything is there, when I learn everything there, I know everything. So the dictionary became uh, my obsession when I was a little kid. It's a great obsession to have. And, 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 and I... I tried to look for the definitions of things that for me were undefinable. You know, I look for the definition of air and for the definition of sky. So much and, fun. And for the definition of like love and stuff. And and sometimes those definitions were great and, and I was amazed by the by the intelligence of whoever wrote the dictionary. And sometimes uh, those definitions were not enough for me. And I tried to make up my own, and I didn't know that that was the beginning of poetry for me. What a great beginning! Um, that was that was that was that was the beginning, and um, then I got to school, and when I was a teenager, I used to fall in love every fifteen minutes or twenty, and I had <laughs> <laughs> I needed to write those things. So those were yeah. those would be l love poems to various. Yes, crushes. of course, of, of course. course, of course. That's your job as also, a teenager. Also, I think that. Every love, every poem is a love poem. Um, we write because we love something. Uh, we write because we love writing. We write because we love words. We write because we want everything that we love to not fade away in oblivion. So every love is a love poem. Because every poem is a love poem because every poem should be an act of love. I do not write uh, for hate. I do not write um, only to look for escape. I write because I love things. I write because I don't want those things that I love to be forgiven, forget, forgotten. And I don't want love to not be heard. Um, I, I write, I personally write to create silence. I, I, I believe in my voice and I believe that everybody wants to be heard. But I believe that silence and slowness are important. Right now, I think that in this era of um automatization of everything in this era of social media in this era where everything is so fast the job of the poet is to create slowness and to create silence what a neat idea i think that that that's it we need to slow down we need to let our souls set in that's right and uh, i believe that poetry is um the creation of a shared loneliness yeah, when you read a poem, you are alone. Yeah. But you are sharing the loneliness that is in the page. So you 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 are you share loneliness with someone that is there and is not. Um, so I I would I like the idea of thinking that when someone is reading one of my poems, feels a little less lonely. That's a lovely thought, and it must be really wonderful to see your poems in print. 
on the page. When was the first poem that you published? Um, and what was the circumstances? Your first chapbook, your first poem? I was, I was very young. I, when I was in high school, I started writing somehow seriously. I decided that it was not um, just a hobby. I was actually I had a, a moment of like crisis because I was taking the guitar lessons that I was telling you. And at some point I had to decide if I wanted to be a professional guitar player or a writer. Did your parents want you to be one thing or the other? My parents didn't want me to be either of those things. <laughs> they wanted me to be <laughs> they, they wanted me to be like I don't know an architect or a lawyer or something, an engineer you know, or exactly, something, with a something like that. Yes, 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 yes. Um but those were my two options, right? The two options of my heart. And um, I decided for poetry because I realized that poetry was with me for, for, for very long. And, and it was always the place that I resorted to. And um, I remember having a long talk with my guitar teacher telling him about this crisis. And... And he was. And he told me, "No, no. Whatever you do, you will be an artist, Manuel. That's that's your soul. You are an artist. That's a nice so just say. find whatever you want to do and just do it with with truth and do it with honesty." And I started taking some uh, writing workshops and stuff. And I have my own love hate relationship with with writing workshops. But at the time, I took many, and it was one of my. Um, my teachers in a, in a writing workshop, a novelist called Joaquin Bestart, a very important novelist in the Yucatan in Mexico. He one day looked at me and said, you know what, Manuel, you are a poet. You're not just a person that is trying to write poetry. You are a poet. He told me, you were born a poet. And uh, we're going to publish this anthology of everybody that is in this class. And I would like one poem or two from you and etc. And I published and I was like maybe 21, 22. And it was just one or two poems there. Um... But there was the gossip that there was this new poet, this this young poet <laughs> in town, and at the time, I was it, it was it was good, and it wasn't because I um, was not as interesting as many of my writer friends. I was in high school. You or, hadn't had as much life, maybe. Yeah, and 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 what I had of life was not as tormented as theirs. Oh, darn it. I Only could have come ex- up with some more exactly, torment. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was ashamed of being happy. Yes. Your heart wasn't broken exactly. enough yet. My, ha- my, my heart was not broken. My family was fine. <laughs> I had a girlfriend that loved me. Oh, I, it's a terrible I, life for a poet. I didn't smoke. Well, I, no. it was, I didn't like coffee, which was unfor- oh, unforgivable. Very unfortunate. And, um, you were far too well adjusted. So, exactly. Exactly. It was, it was exactly <laughs> that. And I was I was ashamed. I was inventing <laughs> me uh, existential problems, <laughs> and um, and then I realized that I was going to talk about whatever I wanted to talk, and and you can make poetry with everything except with lies. <laughs> you have to be true. In in but yeah. this is the life of is, a happy poet can exist. Yes, it can. It can, and the poetry of a happy poet can yes. exist. Um. This is a, a a great difference with fiction. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fiction can be fiction. It is, but but right. poetry is always true. How interesting! I never and, thought of it that way. And 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 uh, poetry is is getting naked. 
on the page. Wow. And and fiction is not necessarily that. No, it's, it's putting on a mask. Cloaking yourself. Exactly. What an interesting thought. Actually, that brings us to the next question that I have for you, which is about the process of writing poetry. Now, mm-hmm. as a writer of prose, for me, writing poetry is just shrouded in mystery. There seem to be no rules. The rules that there are seem to be very nebulous. You could throw them out at any time. When I write a fiction story, there are very specific rules that I follow to create a good, tight, exciting story. And so I would just love for you to tell us the nuts and bolts of how you write a poem. How do you start? Where do you sit? what tool you use, how you sit down to create a poem, because you've created many very successful poems that touch people. So I want to hear about the process of creating, let's say, one of those poems. Well, the first thing that I need is time. I write slowly, and I do not write that much. I have, I, it is true that I have written some successful poems, some poems that people remember, Um. But it is true that those are among very a, a very small amount of poems. I have not written many books. I have republished the same book over and over. <laughs> that's all um, that's necessary. Um, and, and people remember my poems for two reasons. One is because maybe the poem is good enough to remember. And second is because I'm always reading the same poems. Um, and that is precisely because I believe that a poem is always always has something to say. I don't believe in novelty. Um, I am not obsessed with having a new book coming out every four every every four months or every year. Between my books, there is a distance always of about five years between one another. Um, so I need time, and I need quiet. But I am not talking about my room being quiet. I I grew up in a house full of people and full of kids, and there was never quiet. But I need to have some inner quiet, some existential quietness to be able to write. So I can write where my daughter is. There is no problem. Um, But I need to be calm. And I need to be somehow at peace to write. Sometimes poems come from not being at peace. Sometimes poems come from the noise. But in that case, the poem is the way that you look for the peace. Interesting. The poem is the way that you look, that you make the silence. Oh, that's very interesting. So I need time. I need, I mumble a lot. I walk around because I don't, I don't, words don't come to me. Rhythms come to me. That's from your music. Yes. So I have some like la 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 or something in my head. Mm-hmm. And that la 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 becomes a word. Sometimes I can... Uh, Behind that sound, I see the words, and and those words are the first verse or or maybe the end, and those words. Then I start pulling from that thread, and that becomes a verse, and that verse pulls the other, and then I have something that I start correcting. I'm an obsessive uh, editor. I don't let my poems go just like I written them. I don't believe in first drafts. I I I obsessively 
draft and draft and draft and correct and correct. And I and always my corrections are almost never adding words. It's always taking words from the poem. It's always deleting. It's always erasing. Interesting, because you had talked about how creating silence or emptiness or space a lot. Yes. And so when you talk yes. about editing your work, removing words. Removing all the time. And creating white space on the page. Yes. And emptiness of the spaces of the poem. Yes. So that's very interesting. That it goes I try to let the poem say as much as it can say with the least words that I can use. Well, that's very interesting. And I think musicians would definitely agree with you. I like minimalist music too. So that that has to do with, with this. And this is a... My poetry has changed with me every time I have changed. When I was younger, my poems were f full of words and long verses because also I was um, trying to prove myself as a poet. Well, of course. I would I would quote every poem that I have read. We all want to show how very and, uh, smart exactly, we are. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and then as I have become older, I I value silence more, and I doubt more of myself. That's interesting that that's come with age. So the I doubting. I only say things that I can be sure of. Even my even even my. My questions. I am never sure of what I say in the poem. I, 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 I don't believe in certainty in poetry. Certainty is for other things, but not for art. I don't write driven by intelligence, by, by intuition. So there is no certainty. But I do believe that even my uncertainties have to be well-crafted in the page. And for that, they need silence and space and time to mature. So I write poems, and then I let them there, and I go back to read them again, in three months or four months, and if the poem still tells me something, without me still being in love of the father of the newborn, then I know that the poem is valuable. And how do you know when it's done? Or when do you make yourself stop? I make myself stop when I am in a different mental and emotional state. Uh, my first book, for example. I published my first book as a book when I was 23 or 24. And it is a very clever book, you know. I was full of cleverness in you those were days. very young. And uh, there are many things that I could correct of that book. But I didn't write that book. That book was written by a 23-year-old in Mexico. Another I, version of yourself. And I am a 35-year-old in Cincinnati. <laughs> I am not that man anymore. Right. I am not the author of that book. I was the author of that book. Right. So going back to that book and, 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 and change it will be betraying it. It has to exist only in exactly. its present form. The so form that it was originally in. Because because I am not the same person. It would be exactly the same that if any other man with any other name goes back to that book and change it. I am a different man with the same name. Interesting. Um, so I, I consider myself in the right of going and change my work yeah. as long as that work is not far from me emotionally. You are still the same. You exactly. think this is still the same phase of life that I'm in. Exactly. So I asked you to bring a poem with you today. Yes. Yes. And I'm very excited to hear you read. We haven't had a writer read aloud yet on the podcast, but poetry to me seems so self-contained and also so special when read aloud and I'm really glad that you brought up the link to music because to me it just seems like it's a crime to have a poet next to you and not hear them read their 
work aloud because poetry is meant to be read aloud. Yes. Um, so before you read, for people who listen to this podcast who are not as familiar with poetry and the world of poetry, can you characterize your poetry? What, what would you call your style or what school of poetry would you place yourself in? Well, I have been told many times that I am a very lyrical poet. Yeah, I write from the self. Almost all of my poems have an I. And um, I do not write poems that are difficult to understand. I like, I like accessible poetry I, myself. I believe in accessible poetry. I, and, and it's not that I sit down and I say, I'm going to write a poem that is accessible. I don't. I don't. If one day... I have the uh, aesthetic need and the artistic need and the expression, the need to express something that is not going to be easy to understand. I will do it because I will do whatever poetry asks me to do. But so far, every time I write, uh, I have been surprised by how many people tell me that they can relate. Uh, to poems and, and this is always a miracle because writing a poem is something that you do alone I do mm -hmm. not think about my uh, about my reader when I write I don't mm -hmm. I don't that is that is a preoccupation of someone that is going to sell millions of copies that is a the preoccupation of a novelist that is the preoccupation of so but not of a poet you're writing for yourself and you hope that your loneliness gets to someone else uh, loneliness mm -hmm. and that gives you the freedom of not thinking in the reader you know, and it's not that I don't care about my reader. Of course, I care about my reader, but I care about the poem, too. And I am not willing to change my poem to look for a reader. Right. I am willing to say, well, this reader can take this with a grain of salt and then go to the next poem. Right. You know, because um, we the poets don't hope. Well, at least I as a poet, I don't hope to get world famous and millionaire i hope to to touch some hearts and for that i need to be true so tell us a little bit about the poem that we're about to hear yes. and why you chose it in particular and the writing of it well i i wrote this poem the poem is called i am from here and I have to make the disclaimer. I'm going to read it in English, and then I'm going to read it in Spanish. Oh, because fantastic. I write in Spanish first. You're I only right. write poetry in Spanish. Um, and then I translate myself to English. And you are your own translator for the most yes, part. Yes, I am my own translator for the most part. Uh, which is something that I learned from the Mayan writers in the Yucatan. How interesting. They, they write in, in Mayan language, and they, they translate themselves to Spanish. As opposed to... Uh, As opposed to looking for a translator. Right, and working with a translator. Yes, How they, interesting. They, they translate themselves. So in seeing that, I saw that this, this is a beautiful practice because sometimes I don't translate myself exactly. I don't, I don't translate mm -hmm. exactly what the I words say. Words don't exactly match up. I, exactly. And, 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 and because um, I wrote the poem in the first place, I don't have to ask anyone, <laughs> you know. You don't have to argue um, with a translator. I don't have to argue with a translator. <laughs> However, I do have a, a group of friends that help me with my translations. Once the poem is in English, um, I go with at least five or six friends uh, that I trust. To consult, to, to ask, consult. what do you think, yes. what would you, word would you use? Yes, I do. So tell us about, oh, so this poem is called? This, this poem is called uh, I Am From Here. And in the Midwest, there is this tradition of I Am From Poet. <laughs> Certainly. 
And it's an exercise that everybody asks the kids to do and everything. And I decided to write my own because I was asking some of my students to write I Am From poems. And one of them told me, why don't you write an I Am From poem? And, and, and well, I had to. And I hate writing using writing prompts, but I did. <laughs> um, because one of my students asked me, but this writing prompt was very interesting for me because when I was asked in English by my student in an English class, write about where are you from? And I love Cincinnati. And my daughter was born in Cincinnati. And I met my wife in Cincinnati. But I am from Mexico and I miss my mother and I miss listening to Spanish when I walk in the street. And I miss very much to not be different when I walk into a place. I miss very much not to be the person with an accent. I miss to be very much. I miss very much that people say poet and not Mexican poet. I miss all of those things. I miss not being different. And at the same time, I love to be accepted enough to be the poet laureate of a city like Cincinnati, you know. Um, so I, I only know love in both places. And I wrote this poem that talks about, about that, about um, being from somewhere. I am from here. One is from the places that he has arrived, from the language in which he cannot dream, and one day it happens, and he wakes up wondering which one is now his house when there is always a heart elsewhere. One comes from the streets that never are the same when he returns. One comes from the moment in which he decided to leave and from that other one in which he realizes that everything departs, that is impossible to stay even if you stay, that is impossible even if you come back to be back. I write a verse that is like a farewell and point at it. I am from here. Soy de aquí. Uno es de los sitios a los que ha llegado. Del idioma en el que no puedes soñar y un día sucede y se despierta preguntándose cuál es su casa ahora cuando siempre hay corazón en otra parte. Uno proviene de las calles que ya nunca son las mismas al volver. Proviene del momento en el que decidió partir y de ese otro en el que entiende que todo se aleja. Que es imposible quedarse aunque te quedes que es imposible aunque regreses, regresar. Escribo un verso que es como una despedida y lo señalo. Soy de aquí. That was just beautiful. And well, thank you so much for reading that. As I was listening to you read, as a non-Spanish speaker, I was really struck by the musicality of the second version. Mm -hmm. Since I was not focusing on the words, which I couldn't understand, I was instead focusing on the rhythm of the sounds and of the sentences, uh, and it was really beautiful. Um, and I'm very struck by your, you know, feelings of the feeling of belonging and not belonging, mm -hmm. of being an outsider yet accepted. It's really, it sounds like a constant sort of duality um, that just probably never ends. That it never ends. It never ends, and it's, and it's there all the time, you know. However, um, I have to say that I am surrounded by love by so many friends in Cincinnati and so many 
people that is always there and have been there from the beginning. And I have nothing but thankfulness uh, for for this city. Yet, my other city is still there. Right. You it know? never leaves. And uh, my family is there and my language is there. And, and I'm a poet. So the language struggle it's, it's, it's very important. And right now I look at my daughter and I cannot speak in English to her because I see her and I love her so much. And, and what comes out, it comes out in Spanish because that's still the language of my heart. Of course. Um, I think that my brain is bilingual, but my heart is, is very monolingual still. Um, it's changing a little bit. What what is happening right now is that when I translate my poems in from Spanish to English, sometimes I like better what I did in English and I go back and change the original. Oh, how that is happening every time more. That is happening every time more. It's very interesting. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if one day I start writing in English first. And what a interesting and shift that would be for you as an artist. And if that uh, happens, even if it happens uh, just for one poem of every some poems, um, I will let it happen. Um, I'm not a purist. Yeah. Um, whatever I need to do in order to write, I will do. And if I need to write in English first, I will do it. Right. So I am not opposed to that. And you were reading to us from your newest book, yes. Translating yes, yes, Silence. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the book and about the process of publishing it. Well, this is <laughs> well the, public, the the process of writing and the process of publishing poetry are completely different, yes, they and are. they are almost non-related. <laughs> Not surprising. Because writing poetry is a very intimate yeah. process. Production of art. Yes, a very intimate process, and the process of Publishing is a completely public <laughs> process, full of people. You have to talk to other humans in order to publish. And that is not what you have to do in order to write. You write alone in your house. You write alone in your office. You write alone in the... Even even in public, you write alone. If you sit in a park and you're writing, you create a bubble of loneliness around you. No editors exactly up beside no, you and says, no. "I don't think this Ex one is too long." Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it is, and then you talk to your editor. When you have a good editor, the editor will tell you, "Hey, Manuel, these poems maybe we can shift them around or something." Have you ever you considered know? this order? We're thinking of this one exactly, chronological. Exactly, exactly. Right. And, and, and you discuss with the editor. Sometimes you say, "Yes, you're right." Sometimes you say, "No, no." Uh, it, it also depends of who you choose as your editor, how this works, how much you respect the editor as a writer and, and, and as an editor, you know, um, because not everybody with a printing machine is an editor. Right. You know, right. there are printers and there are editors, but right. everybody wants to be considered an editor in the same way that everybody can write a poem, but not everybody is really a poet, you know, right. um, in the same way that you can play soccer, but that does not make you uh, Ronaldo Absolutely. or Pele, right? So, um, as a poet, you have to, you only have a voice and a human struggle, and that's all you need. Of course, you need to know, I believe in knowing your tradition. I believe in reading a poem that does not read, it has no idea what he's doing, is blind, you know. And I believe in humbleness to the craft. You can be as cocky as you want with other people. But when you sit down and write, you need to take off the shoes of your soul and walk into the temple of poetry very humble. Because you are trying to do the same that Shakespeare did. 
So you chill out <laughs> and stop acting to the poem as if you were a gift to humanity. You're not. Right. Right. You can be as pretentious as you want once the poem is, is, is published, but not while writing it. And while writing it, you're a paria. And when you, know? you worked with your editor on this new book, Translating Silence, how was that experience in particular? That experience was... It had a lot of, of moments um, because he's a very good editor, Carlos Aguasaco. He is a Colombian editor. And uh, the press for the based, book was? Based in New York. Okay. Uh, it's called Arte Poetica Press, which mm -hmm. uh, is publishing a lot of Hispanic authors in the U.S. Cool. Um, so when we came up with the idea of, of publishing a book together, the first idea was to publish the book uh, in Spanish because this, this book is, is, is a new book because it's in the U.S. and because it's bilingual. But it's really my two other books that were published in Mexico just for the first time published in the U.S. and for the first time published in, in bilingual. Poems from those books exactly. combined into one volume. Exactly. Got it. And did he approach you, did the press approach you to put together this new... Yes, yes. We, we met each other because I was invited to the International Poetry Festival of New York uh, three years ago. And he is one of the organizers. So he read my poems. He was there in the, in, 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 in the poetry uh, readings, etc. And um, then I knew about the printing house. And we were talking about it. And then I received an email of him telling me, hey, we could do something together. Uh, but this took very long. The book was, even though the poems were written, the book was on the making for... Uh, almost a year and a half because um, I was revising the translations. First, he was looking for translations, for translators. And then we even had the translators. And then I told him, no, you know what? I'm going to translate myself. Are you sure? Yes, I am sure. So then I embark in that process of translating, which was a process of reading my own work, which is something I tried to not do that much. Um, but I did, and I translated the poems, then putting the book together, uh, we didn't know if we wanted to have all of the Spanish in, in the first half of the book and then all of the English in the second half. Uh, we had a lot. We have a lot of disagreement on those uh, things of how to work visually with the poems. You so we had a lot of disagreement on this yeah. on this regard. Um, then we we agreed that we were going to have the poems side by side. And then it was just um, not with the editor, but with the um, designer, uh, just yes. to make sure that, that, that yes. everything matched. Layout. Exactly, layout and everything. Forms aren't spilling onto the um, other page. Yes, yes, yes. yes How yes, much white space is going to be around them? All Tight. of those little things. And, um, and then the book was finally good to go. And, and then I felt for the first time again, that I was publishing for the first time because for very long, Interesting. Uh, I've lived in Cincinnati. I live in the U.S. for almost for twelve years, and in Cincinnati for ten. And for all of this time, my publishing life, my my writer's life, was happening elsewhere. I always published in Mexico. I sent my things. That I is where your identi things. writing identity was residing. So I was a poet there. But I was not a poet here. Here you were an academic my, and a exactly. father. And my, 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 my friends knew that I was a poet, especially my American friends. 
knew that I was a poet, but they didn't have any proof of it. They they just had faith that I was saying the truth. Maybe you're you know? just saying that. And and now there is a book in English that they can access and they can read. And uh, and they can read the words themselves. That that, that made me really nervous. You know, it, it was like what what if what if now they grab the poem and they say, <laughs> "Oh my God, all of this buildup for this." Like, right. Nah. You're a real poet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so. Um, I I'm still very nervous of what my friends are going to say. And you know, when did the book come out? The book came out um, a couple of weeks before uh, my daughter was born, and the poet laureateship was announced. Very so recently, everything happened. Yes, yes, yes. The, the The book came out in late March, and then everything happened in the beginning of April. So, um, it's a great way to start off with your book. Yes. Um, and now in in September, if I can say this, in September Please. this book is is um, a finalist in two different categories of the uh, Latino International Latino Book Award. That's wonderful. So it is it is a finalist in the categories of best bilingual book of poems and best translation. And that I'm, must feel very gratifying. I'm going to Los Angeles on September eighth for the gala of of the event. And I am, I'm very nervous. Um, in a sense, you've already won. In the, yes, being a finalist, yes. I mean, it's my first book in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and I'm very happy. Um, is is that now I've been going to poetry events, and I have the rare privilege of representing a city and a country. You know, it's like yes. Manuel is representing Mexico and Cincinnati, <laughs> 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 and I like that. I, I really like it, and um, I hope I can make um, both places proud. Well, and as a fellow Cincinnatian, I will be very proud to have you represent our Midwestern city. And Manuel, I'm so glad that we could talk today. Thank you, Emma. For the Cincinnati Public Library, I'm writer-in-residence Emma Carlson-Byrne. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Writer's Head. Okay, that's it for us. Special thanks to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer-in-Residence program. You can meet Emma at various events throughout the year or at open office hours on the third Saturday of every month from 10 a.m. until noon at the Coryville Branch Library. Learn more by visiting cincinnatilibrary.org slash writerinresidence. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes and leave us a review. It helps other book lovers find us. Thank you for listening.